Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Curiosityness. I'm Travis DeRose, I'm the host, and uh, I have a king of ice cream on this episode, episode 23, I think I said that. His name is Daniel, and Daniel quit his job to travel the country and taste and review ice cream and put it on his blog, his website, thekingoficecream.com. You could check him out. And this guy is so fun to talk to. He reminds me of the guys from City Slickers, from the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal. They're like the ice cream guys who are supposed to be like Ben and Jerry. But they ask him, in the movie, they ask him like what goes good with you know, what flavors of ice cream match with a meal. And they're like, Frank and beans. And he goes, scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. And then Billy Crystal goes, okay, asparagus. And the the beans are rotten and all this stuff. And then he goes like, rum raisin, woof. And it's, it's a good scene. It's, I probably didn't do it justice. But if you've seen it, I think you'll like what I just said. But... If you haven't seen City Slickers, I highly recommend it. And I like Billy Crystal. So I'm going to stop talking and let the uh, episode begin with Daniel of The Ice Cream King. Oh, no, no, that's it. Okay, here's the here's the episode. Oh, okay, I remembered what I wanted to say. Uh, this, it's a little, this sounds a little off on this because um, Daniel was at a Starbucks recording this and there's kind of a lot of background noise. Um, but we did our best and, uh, I tried to filter out as much of the sound as possible. Um, so it might be kind of hard to listen to. Sorry about that. Apologize. We'll try to do better in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for being on the show, Daniel, taking the time. Appreciate it. And here now is the episode now. Um, okay, well, we're going. Awesome. Okay. What's up, Daniel? How's it going? Not too shabby on this end. I mean, things are going pretty well. Just uh, enjoying a lovely Friday here in Southern California. Here. Yeah, right on. But, yeah, we just before we started this, we just found out we're like, like what, thirty uh, minutes from each other? If that, yeah. Yeah, crazy. We should have done some person, but this <laughs> this is good too. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So you are you're the ice cream king. Yes, the king of ice cream is my moniker. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. It was it was a hard fought title, but you know I'm proud to bear it all the same. So, <laughs> it actually started. I mean, like at first it was literally just I started calling myself, so I was like the self-proclaimed ice cream king. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, like other people, like they start proclaiming me as well. So I was able to drop the self-proclaimed portion. And then it just grew from there. So I was like, you know what? I am, I am the ice cream king. So that's a thing now. That's and good, man. Yeah. Just embrace it. You have to. Exactly. Roll with the punches on that one. <laughs> so, okay. So what does the ice cream... Well, you have the ice cream king... The king of ice cream.com. Is that what it is? Yes. That is the domain name. The yes. king of ice cream. So what do you... How do you describe that site to people? Uh, so it is a hub of ice cream reviews and news literally just expanding people's knowledge about different things happening in the world of ice cream, crazy unusual flavors I've tasted, and kind of like fun and quirky ways of describing said flavors. Um, Similar to a lot of food bloggers, uh, they all kind of have a very fun and lighthearted approach to as they describe uh, the various food topics they're indulging in. Uh, Myself in particular, I indulge in ice cream. Uh, I have been to every single state in this country in search of the best ice cream in every state. So I've, you know, eaten 
well over 400, 500 different flavors, eating at, you know, probably around 250 different ice cream shops. And if you give me like a major city in the U.S., I could probably point you in the direction of some good ice cream. So. Oh, nice, man. Something of uh, a self-taught authority in, in the matter, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how long have you been doing this now? So I had been eating ice cream and reviewing ice cream for years. Uh, it started back in my days of college. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but July is actually National Ice Cream Month. Oh, wow. So, I not. Yeah. Uh, so during the month of July, during college, what I would do is I would try to eat a different single, a different flavor every single day and then write a small snarky review about, you know, the set flavor. So it was sort of like a tweet thing and, you know, it would just be posted something small on social media and then... Like as the month progressed and then as years progressed, it just got longer and longer reviews until they were like full on essays. And then people were like, why don't you have a blog? And I was like, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I don't know why I don't have a blog. So then I looked into getting one and then, you know, worked into making a blog, um, still write the snarky fun reviews. And kind of over the years of my National Ice Cream Month, the things I would do for ice cream get crazier and crazier. So basically, when it started out, I was just, I raided a Ralph's or, you know, some local grocery store, got a bunch of different pints of ice cream. And I probably ate like a pint of ice cream a day, like the five weekdays. And then on weekends, I traveled to ice cream shops. And then, so towards, you know, as I was kind of growing, I tried to focus more on ice cream shops, more on crazy flavors, do crazy things with ice cream. So, like, it was like the summer of 2016. Um, for that, the end of that National Ice Cream Month, I finished with an ice cream cleanse, which is eating five pints of ice cream a day for three days and no actual solid foods. And then you're supposed to like cleanse your body of toxins and lose weight. It's, you know, um, it's, a, it's a vegan ice cream shop in Venice, California that does it. Um, and they were featured, I think, on GQ and a couple other places. So I was like, I gotta do this myself. I convinced the owner, uh, Miss Kippy Miller, to like make a special batch of it for me because she only does it during like specific times of the year. Um, so she made me a batch of this vegan ice cream. Right? Did that, and that was like after a month of already eating ice cream like every single day. So finished off that month um, with this like diary journal of what it's like to eat ice cream five times a day for three days straight. And it's more difficult than you think. Like even for a guy like you know. <laughs> a lot it, it was no walk in the park by any means um so then after that you're like shit what do you do next man i'm like ah oh, well, i haven't even thought about it i was just trying to get through this month let alone not even trying to plan for the future and someone was like why don't you know what do you want to do next like travel the country i was like maybe so the following spring uh you know a bunch of stars aligned and like i just had this inspiration to quit my corporate job use all the savings I had saved up and then travel the entire country in search of ice cream. So I spent the next 10 months from there um, just traveling, like I said, the entire U.S. Uh, and then ate myself silly with ice cream. Um, only gained two pounds in the process, which is like, really? Wow. I feel like that, you know, it's probably one of the biggest accomplishments <laughs> of the thing. Uh, and then following that, I was like, I, I participated uh, by, or I should say, I used a lot of my life savings, like everything that I was going to use for like housing and adulting and all that, you know, nonsense. Um, so I went through some of those savings, but I didn't go through that fast because I did couch surfing along the way. Mm -hmm. and, 
Uh, for those of your listeners who might not be familiar with Couchsurfing, it's um, a website app that where you request to stay in strangers' houses, sleep on their couch, and it's like completely free. And it's like a mix between like it's like the raw tomatoes of people in some ways. You just because uh, uh, after every person stays with you, you say yay or nay whether you like them or not, or whether you would like let them sleep on your couch again what your experience is like with them, and then from that way you can get um, whether or not you would want to let someone in the future have them sleep on your couch or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and because I was the crazy ice cream guy, everyone seemed to really enjoy hosting me, so right. it wasn't difficult for me to find places to stay. Um, and then from there, so after my 10-month journey, I didn't necessarily have um, as low of savings as I thought I would, so I was still able to continue my adventure further, so I reached out to some of the best ice cream shops I had visited on my travels and asked if they would want to take it on an apprentice. So the following summer, I moved, I road tripped, drove from Los Angeles to Maine um, to apprentice at an ice cream shop there and learned everything about the ice cream business. Um, everything from, you know, what it's like to make ice cream, how to develop the flavors, um, different types of cream, all that stuff, and then like everything about running a small business, which is absolutely mind-blowing how much stuff goes into it. So I feel like I have, for like the rest of this interview, what have you, I could either talk about like what I've learned as an apprentice or just about crazy things while traveling. It's totally up to you. Like, Man, you've done, that's like so crazy. So, okay, this started... I think you said it was like 2016 is when you did that 10-month thing, or that cleanse? Uh, I, I did the cleanse in 2016, spring 2017, I quit my corporate 9 to 5 to travel the country. Okay, so this is fairly recent, man. You've done a lot since then. It's crazy. You've like, yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah, year and a half. Yeah. And you've been to all 50 states, tried all these different things. It's, it's crazy, man. You jumped in. It's a good job to do this. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Crazy. So what, I, I mean... Well, just real quick, I guess, um, what's the, uh, what's like the future of the King of Ice Cream look like? Like, what are you thinking that is going to happen now? Whew, that is a good question. Um, I'd say one of my goals when traveling the country, uh, when doing Crane the Block, everything, was to ensure that I did not grow tired of ice cream. So a lot of bloggers, you know, will tell you like, if you're trying to do it to like get rich or turn into a business, you have to like treat it like a business. Mm -hmm. And so I never really had that aggressive an approach to it. I was always, you know, the very lighthearted. Ice cream is something fun. I should be doing it because I'm passionate about it. Something because I love it. Um, so I think I'm going to try and continue that mentality of making sure I'm always having fun while doing this. I'm always enjoying it because at the end of the day, if I lose my love of ice cream, it's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. so, totally. So as far as like career moves or anything along those lines, I think I'm going to try and keep it more in the realm of passion as opposed to financial burdens and obligations associated with it. Okay, I see. So you'll probably get a like a, a quote real job or something soon? Something like that, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that allows me to still pursue this as like a, a side thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can respect that. So it stays fun. That, that makes sense. So can you just tell me more about the uh, ice cream apprenticeship that you had? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it was with Rococo Artisan Ice Cream in May. Um, they're about seven or eight years old. Um, it's interesting because in Maine, uh, it's a very specific ice cream season. 
the population of Maine is not sizable to say the least. Um, the town that I was living in was like population less than 10,000 people. Okay. Um, so hardly anyone, um, if you're from Long Beach, you know that they have like literally hundreds of thousands of millions of people living there. Um, where, yeah, so population 10,000, total culture shock. But Maine is known as vacation land, so that's like their tagline, state moniker, what have you. Um, so basically during between, I think it's uh, Memorial Day and Labor Day, population like explodes by like five to seven times. So everyone has, everyone from the entire New England area has like vacation homes up in Maine. Um, so like when you're going, you know, 50, 60 down like a circus street during the spring, during the summer, during like bumper to bumper traffic. So it's like this interesting dichotomy between having absolutely no one there and having too many people. So it's really kind of funny and interesting that way. Um, but the side effect of that is their ice cream season, they own, the business is only open like six months out of the year. Like they're open from pretty much when it stops snowing in April until like early October. And then after that, they close for the winter. Um, my ice cream master, she, leaves the state of Maine uh, because it starts getting really cold and terrible climate there and she will like vacation in South America or South Africa or somewhere warm south of the equator um, so she could kind of chase that endless summer so to speak. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So so when were you there? What time frame were you there? Uh, I was there from early April until a few weeks ago in October. When we oh. Closed. oh wow. So this just ended. It did. Just it. Gnarly. Crazy. So what kind of stuff were you doing there like day to day with them? Oh, that, uh, literally everything. So uh, everything that it takes to run the business. I learned about ice cream production, making it, developing new flavors. Um, I had the opportunity to open a new storefront of ours. So everything that goes with opening a new business. I had to, you know, uh, secure build-outs, work with contractors, uh, secure equipments, you know, um, supplies, hire people. Like, I literally did everything for this new location of our business. It was crazy. Um, It was called the Test Kitchen. And that's where we'd invent, we're known for, like, some of the more unusual flavors here. We'd, like, throw signs to the wall, see what sticks, like, batshit crazy flavors. And then we'd run them in super small like runs and then just see what performs the best, what people enjoy the most as far as our weird concoctions. And then see about maybe rolling those into like recurring regular flavors at the other storefronts. Oh, that's cool. So what were some of the weird like crazy flavors that you guys did? Um, we did one of them that was like the most surprising. I'd say we did um, a spinach ice cream base with a strawberry balsamic swirl. Huh. So it's a very light spinach base. It's not, you know, like eating a heavy salad, but it did have a nice, beautiful green tint to it. Um, and then when you add a strawberry balsamic swirl, it's almost like a strawberry jam that has a tint of the vinegar bitters. So it just really accents the, it's because it's not a very heavy, sweet spinach base. It, it is very, it's not savory either. It just kind of has that neutral salad element to it. But then when you get the sweetness of the strawberry with that little hint of the bitterness, creates this amazing crazy flavor combination wow and so like that was like i'd say one of the ones i was most surprised by um just because like you invent something like that to almost satisfy your creative inner artist you don't necessarily think that necessarily everyone's respond well to it but it surprisingly like sold and you know had a decent number of units sell so um that was one that was surprising um we did 
uh, one of the ones that was like very polarizing was the one that we finished off the season with, which was a pine essence with sea salt and blueberries. Okay. So that one's like eating blueberries in a forest. And then that's probably the best way I could describe it. Like, so, yeah, you take distilled pine needle essence. Um, there's a company in Oregon that does that, makes edible pine essence. Um, and then you take that, put it in a sweet cream base, add a little bit of sea salt, and then uh, once that's kind of made into the base, you add a blueberry jam swirled throughout, so you have this almost mommily, um type of look where you have this blue swirl throughout a kind of more paler white um, base. It's really interesting. I say it's polarizing because I will admit, you know, like I, this is the throwing science of the wall kind of thing. When I developed that flavor, uh, it was, the, the pine scent is really strong to smell, but very hard to taste. Um, oh, so okay. I added a, probably a little more pine than I should have. I will admit I made that mistake. Um, <laughs> Then, you know, so uh, when it, the flavor came out, some people, like, I'd say at least 80% of the people hated it. Like, they would try it. They were like, dear God, what abomination is this? Like, some people described it as, like, blueberry pine salt. And I'm like, that, that's a little hurtful. But, you know, I appreciate the honesty. Uh -huh. uh, and then there were, like, the remaining 10, 20% absolutely loved it they're like i've never had anything this unusual like they're very very outdoorsy people they love camping they love chewing pine needles and stuff like that and oh so they, they that 10 20 percent was able to like float enough sales that was actually surprisingly a decent seller despite the fact that like the vehement vitriol of hate that people the majority of people felt on this flavor right yeah, that sounds so, good, man. I, I want to try that. It, it is super interesting. Just, I mean, it is a boundless, endless frontier of what you can do with ice cream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool about, um, are there a lot of, most do most shops do that where they'll kind of just experiment with stuff and then throw it out for a second? Is that not, that's not really common? No, I'd say probably 80%. I don't know. This is an anecdotal. I don't have any statistics to back this up, right. but based on my travels of going to um, all the different ice cream shops around the country, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say most of them. First off, probably majority of ice cream shops like it's hard to say how much they're actually making the ice creams themselves versus outsourcing specific ingredients, recipes, flavorings what have you from other companies. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get that kind of gray area there. And then beyond that, um, I'd say like, you know, that, that 1%, you know, five to 1% or whatever that are really trying to like push the boundaries and do crazy flavors. They're probably the ones that would want to experiment with flavors. They run them in small batches, see if it sells well, and then we'll see about having it either as a seasonal flavor or putting it, you know, as a, a rotating flavor. That, that's pretty common. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd say it's definitely a the minority, um, but I'm not going to say that, you know, our shop is the only ones that were doing it either. So. Yeah. Yeah, man, that sounds fun to, though to – to find a shop like that and then go to it like you know once a week or whatever and try the new stuff just the crazy stuff it would really depend on how quickly flavors sell out um, uh, so basically like because we do one batch of it and then like unless people love it we'll never make it again so oh, that's crazy 
Yeah, we did. We did one flavor that sold out in three days. They were like, holy cow. Um, this was a local collaboration. There was like a chocolate tier shop like two doors down. And so they made this one thing called the Eagle Chip, which was uh, like potato chips that had been covered in caramel, then covered again in chocolate. So like that's pretty delicious. So we took that concept, deconstructed it, um, asked them to make make us some and more with that thing. Like, uh, and then so we chopped that up into little bits and put it in a salty sweet cream base. So basically just sweet cream that's had Mediterranean sea salt added to it. So you get this crazy balance between sweet aspects and like caramel, chocolate, whatever, and salty aspects of the salty sweet cream, as well as the potato chip bake, or the potato chip that's been mixed in. So it, that one was like really well received, um, you know, not only just because it was tasted good, but because everyone loved the fact, oh, they're like local collaboration, really supporting small businesses, like we love this chocolate store. And so like I said, I just sold like bananas. Um, that was probably the fastest seller of the entire summer. Man, crazy. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, do you know of any shops here, like in Long Beach or LA area, that kind of do this something similar to that? That's yes and less than yes. In that, um, so for Los Angeles, for example, I'd say you know the common one that you note as having like crazy concoctions of flavors would be like salt and straw. Yeah. Um, they, and I say less than yes for them, just because they're technically from Portland, Oregon. Like they started there, then had like really successful four locations in Portland. Then they moved to LA. They opened up some shops here, and they just been like slowly taking over the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So they have them in Portland, um, then Los Angeles. Then they opened, I think, one in San Fran, and then they recently, I think, within a year or two ago, they opened one in Seattle. Um, wow. I don't know their expansion rate is or anything along those lines, but they definitely experiment with interesting flavor profiles. And I know for a fact they um, they do this kind of endearingly adorable thing with local um, schools where they'll have like elementary schools just invent a crazy flavor and then the kids will vote on them. And then they'll try to turn those crazy flavor ideas into reality, uh, make actual flavors out of those ideas. And then all the proceeds from that flavor, all the revenue that's generated, goes back to the elementary school. Oh. So it's like really kind of endearing and sweet that they do that. Um, so that's a part of their invention process. Um, I mean, you have literally also in West LA, you have like, like Scoops that was featured on BuzzFeed um, where they had like a bunch of on the Worth It. It was a BuzzFeed Worth It or something like that. Um, and they do a bunch of crazy flavors. Like there was like a chocolate Cuban cigar or something like that flavor. <laughs> um, they have a bunch of rotating flavors. Long Beach, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think the Long Beach Creamery has some interesting ones. They're a little bit more tame by comparison to the others, but they definitely um, do some stuff. Um, yeah, just trying to think. Afters, I mean, they're based in Orange County. Uh, they do a lot of very trendy stuff, so if there's something that is a trend, they will capitalize on that um, and make a very Instagrammable creation. Like, oh, I see. You know, with the uh, bisected donuts, ice cream sandwich. Out of That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, they just opened a salt and straw at uh, downtown Disney here, even, in Anaheim. Yeah, I heard yeah, about so that. They're, yeah. they're, like, expanding like crazy. For real, like I said, taking over the West Coast. Yeah. Like, so do you know if they let, if they have, like, people kind of creating their own stuff at each, each kind of shop, or are they, since they're kind of growing, is it just become, you know, more like 
I don't know, franchise style where just serve what we tell you? I, I like to think, I'm pretty sure they have uh, core flavors that are probably be standardized across the board. At yeah. the same time, when I was in Portland, I, I went to the original Solemn Star, and they had flavors there that weren't necessarily available in L.A. And in L.A., they have flavors that are necessarily available in Portland. So okay. there, there is some autonomy that allows them to do what they want, but there are specific ones that, like, we know this is a crazy flavor that sells well. You should include this also. So right. it's kind of a little column A and B. That's good. I like that. It sounds like they're balancing that well because it, it seems tough because you would want to grow your company, obviously, exactly. and expand, but you want to keep that like local feeling. So it sounds like they're doing a fairly good job with that. Indeed. Which is good. Um, so on your uh, website, you say that it's the golden age of ice cream right now, right? That's a true statement. So why is that? I mean, if we think about it, just like objectively i don't think we've ever had so many different types of ice cream so many different with i'd say the evolution and creation of the internet how interconnectivity happens like this idea that in some ways the world is getting smaller and smaller as ice cream ideas go before you had you know the idea of tyrol ice cream um, which are for the people that are familiar it's like you go to the thing like an ice cream shop they take cream put on like this flash freezing pan and then they use these like paint scrapers to like roll it into rolls mm-hmm. um like that used to just kind of be a thing in thailand like but with facebook fucking instagram uh, youtube what have you then suddenly like they realized this is something that's really interesting people like to try it and now like every major city has at least one of those types of thai roll ice cream shops mm-hmm. like and, and, you know, that, that's something that you can say good or bad in terms of like, oh, does this mean that you're it's kind of moving away from this nostalgic, like uh, classic type of ice cream? There are some people that make that argument, whereas I'll say uh, the opposite is actually true, where you actually kind of have the splitting divergence of these two concepts as far as this original creating really far out there ideas, things that are trendy, things that, you know, um, you haven't been seen before. And then there is that also at the same time, like a return to a classic idea of what is an ice cream shop. And these, these return to classic ideas, I'd say definitely happen in probably more rural, small conservative towns. Um, but it, that isn't to say they go away. And a lot of them stem from this idea that like, there are local creameries, you know, there are dairy farms that make their own ice cream. And the idea that, you know, they'll serve more of the classic place because their business primarily goes into like shipping out wholesale dairy. Um, they still give off that very quaint feel from, you know, um, a bygone era almost of going to a local dairy farm and getting, you know, your, your chocolate or your vanilla or, you know, your salted caramel and what have you. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that we're starting to see slightly less of maybe corporate franchise. Um, it's starting to see more of this artisanal sense of whether it's a classic or something that's pushing the boundary or if it's something that's just a part of the trend. Um, but I've seen ice cream shops where there's like Baskin Robbins and Dairy Queen's closed and then another ice cream shop will open in the exact same location it'll just be 
packaged differently as far as like the flavors they introduce or the ownership or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than it's not. I don't know. There's a lot of nostalgic stuff attached to ice cream and the whole experience of going to the shop and everything like that. There's a lot to it. Absolutely, people love. So, what would you would you rather have like a uh, like a pint at home on the couch in front of a movie, or would you rather go to an ice cream shop? Um, so there's like two ways to answer that. My like go to canned answers just say like I say there's a time and a place for every flavor so there's a time to you know binge watch Netflix and get like Chunky Monkey or some Rocky Road or something disgustingly messy all over your face while on the couch (laughs) and then there's also a time where you want to go and try something new at you know an actual ice cream shop so there's definitely both ones Um, I'll say there are slight differences between the two specifically if you're considering price effort um, uh, flavor availability, uh, option choice, those, those are all things that I take into consideration with determining between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to mention just like uh, consistency and texture, because most people who eat a pint of ice cream will know it's never as soft, it isn't as, you know, it, oh, it doesn't always have the same level of deliciousness as it would in an ice cream shop. Part of that just comes from the reason that, like, in order for it to be served, um, bought at like a grocery store, what have you, there's dairy laws in place that say it has to be shelf stable for like a year and a half. So they have to put preservatives in it, which kind of changes the flavor profile a little bit. I see. Which is sometimes well, why the same flavor in pine form may taste different than it does at an actual ice cream shop. Oh, okay. Because there's a slightly different recipe that goes in there. Yeah, that makes sense. So what makes like really good, like what do you look for when you're looking for like high quality or like artisanal kind of ice cream um that is also kind of a loaded question in terms of uh it really depends am i going alone am i going with friends am i going for the sake of trying because i saw something online about them um am i going just because they literally caught my eye and i was like i need ice cream at this moment in time and they are the quickest way to satiate that desire so there's really kind of a lot of things that go it's like the mental process, but I will say uh, that if you want to just objectively state or objectively kind of judge um, like higher quality ice cream, the World Dairy Products Association, I think, I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, there, there's like a thing that talks about like cream level in terms of heavy cream, um, how pure it is, if there's any additives, um, what the monetization process is like, if you're doing ice, straight ice cream base or custard base, or there's like literally so many different things that go into like determining what what type of objective criteria you want to determine if it is a good ice cream or not. But I'd say probably the most important one is what do you feel at that moment? Like, who mm-hmm. lactose intolerant? Maybe you should probably go for like either a sorbet, um, maybe like a vegan flavor or what have you like or are you willing to risk it are you willing to suffer the gassy <laughs> finish for you know a dense heavy base like really it, it, there's it just comes down to you as a person um, yeah and I, there is no right or right yeah that's a good answer you don't discriminate against people that like love whatever ice cream because like when you buy 
like just at the grocery store, you pick up like a pint of uh, Ben and Jerry's. It's like the same weight as like a huge gallon of that like crazy party ice cream stuff. That's <laughs> the party like, meal. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff is just like, it's so light and airy. It's weird. And I mean, that's part of the strategy too. Like you're literally whipping in more air so you don't have less cream. There's more volume so that you kind of have higher margins in terms of profit. Right. So there is a time that you might want a lighter airier ice cream, or there's a time where you're like, give me that dense stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I want to be comatose after finishing a pint of ice. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, okay, I saw this. I haven't noted this here. I, I think I saw this on your site or something. You mentioned the World Ice Cream Index. Mm -hmm. What is that? So there is uh, an international competition in Ireland um, every year that talks about um, different ice cream shops located all around the world. And uh, I entered our ice cream shop, the one I was purchasing at uh, this past summer, into this competition. Um, and our shop came first. So ranked number one in the World Ice Cream Index. Right on. Take that, Ireland, and, you know, like <laughs> France, the... You know, all these other countries that also entered. Um, yeah. And there were, you know, a bunch of places in the U.S. too. And I have been to quite a few of these shops that we ended up meeting. I was like, you have some good stuff, but we edged you out. So take that. Uh, <laughs> nice, dude. So what was like the, what was the qualification on that? They were just tasting your ice cream, your flavors and stuff, um, or was there more to it? So there is, it was a heavy social aspect in terms of trying to do social campaigns developing that and then you'd also send in um, a sample of whatever your signature flavor is mm -hmm. um, and then an international panel is also judging based on the flavor profile. Makes sense. I see. Um, so what do you think, is there like a, like a world capital for ice cream or like place where you go to eat ice cream or learn more about it or something? Uh, that's... That's just as biased and subjective as what's your favorite flavor, you right. know, like, because there's so many different types of ice cream. Specifically, if I was to, you know, stereotype regions, I'll say, like, New England in general, just, they're very much known for that dense, heavy ice cream that comes from, you know, the types of cows they use. Um, they, they just specialize in that dense, rich ice cream. Um, there's other places around the country that do exceptional jobs. Excuse me, uh, you know, like Wisconsin, just, you know, the nation's dairy land, like big. I don't think I had a single bad ice cream while in that state. Um, <laughs> so they do some great stuff. Um, it, it really all kind of depends, like I said, kind of what you're looking for. Um, I haven't tried as much international. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're talking like ice cream, you can't have that conversation without talking about gelato. Yeah. And obviously, Italy is the home of gelato. Um, there are specific types of ice cream that are like originate back to like ancient China or like in the Middle East. And they have like in the Middle East, they have this like stretchy type of ice cream that I'm drawing on like. Um, Oh, I can't find it, but it, it's definitely big in Turkey. Um, it's like stretchy? And, yeah, it's really weird. It's almost like 
a cool taffy made with milk and sugar. I don't know. Wow, interesting. Um, Booza, I think, is what it's called. Um, yeah, so they, so they, you know, are supposedly like some of the originators of what some of the first cream-based ice cream is. Uh-huh. Um, literally go into the history of ice cream. Some people will also argue that like the first concept of that even dates before that, but that was more of just like a shaved ice kind of thing, or close to maybe a sorbet. Right. So it wasn't truly. Um, so you know that's just an argument for historians in terms of debating what constitutes ice cream yeah. and where the which ones come from. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just like anything. Like it's just slowly developed into what it is today. And then with all the different types of it, even too, it just depends. It's just regional it's, things happen. Very much so. Um, okay, so I'm like a I'm a huge fan of banana ice, like anything banana flavored, really. <laughs> but like banana ice cream or banana milkshakes, man, it's that's what I'm all into. So that's hilarious. Just because I had this conversation with someone else that was a fan of banana milkshakes last a week ago today. It was last Friday. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were at I think it was a fat burger. And he was like, you know, man, like, you never get banana milkshakes anywhere. And he was, like, complaining about the lack of representation that banana has in ice cream form. So Yes, I agree. I think it's expanding, though. I think I'm seeing it more and more places. Uh, More people have banana ice cream. And I went to the banana – there's a banana museum in, like, kind of Palm Desert, Palm Springs area. And they had a delicious banana milkshake there. Um. But have you come across any, like, noteworthy banana ice creams that you can remember? Uh, a couple. So, I mean, you can't have a banana ice cream conversation without talking about Chunky Monkey first. Yes. Um, that has high sentimental value to me personally, uh, just because, you know, it's gotten me through some tough times in life. Uh, so I, I won't ever have this conversation without at least giving that asterisk um, to Chunky Monkey. But as far as... Uh, banana ice cream and banana milkshakes. Um, there's a great place in Minneapolis, um, Annie's Parlor. They're specialized in milkshakes. Um, they have a banana chocolate milkshake that I literally just wrote, a, or I, I wrote a, a blog about that not too long ago. Um, and it is very reminiscent of old school shakes and malts where it's thick and lumpy and has like equal parts of, it's just a, I think it's a vanilla base with chocolate added to it and then blended up bananas. So you get like the actual banana chunks in it. It's as fresh as possibly can be. Um, and yeah, it, it's that, you know, $5 shake that they talk about in fiction. That, you know, it's just a high quality <laughs> shake. Yeah. But it's, it's seemingly nothing special, but you know, it's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then you have like a bunch of, there's some other places. Uh, there's, Van Leeuwen in New York City, they do a fantastic vegan banana. It's like banana bread almost. And it's like a banana muffin, I'd say, probably the eating equivalent of what it's like. And it's really interesting just to taste that in like cool, creamy form. Um, there isn't chunks of the actual muffin mixed in, but it does, that is like identical to what it tastes like. Man. Um, they do some good stuff. Uh, you know, there's couple points, there's a great other banana milkshake place in Las Vegas called Hosting Shakes and Buns, maybe alcoholic milkshakes, which are delicious. <laughs> so there was one, I think it was like Monkey Business or something, or something that's monkeying around, I don't remember what it's called, but it had something to do with monkeys, and they use banana liqueur in their banana base, and yeah, other, nice. other 
Yeah. And well, it's like, cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to try some of those. I'm going to write some of those down. But, um, what's crazy too, is that the, uh, like I'll go to a place and get like the banana milkshake or whatever, but then you go like a few days later and try it again. And it's different because the, like, it depends on the bananas that they use and how like, you know, ripe or whatever they are, you know, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote about um, there's a place actually in Redondo Beach. It used to be on PCH called Baby Jeans. And they had uh, a banana ice cream that, like, exactly what you're saying. It was, I don't know what happened. It, they didn't let the bananas ripen. And it was, like, starchy, like, has that borderline sour note to it. And you're like, this is, like, the equivalent of a baby that was released into the world too quickly. This is, you know, this. <laughs> sour it is like yeah definitely is just a grumpy sour puss in literally every regard and so it, it is interesting how the ingredients can impact hugely what, what the flavor profile is like and the eating experience yeah totally it's all about the ingredients and stuff um did you say that place was baby g's in redondo yeah. okay i think did, yeah. they have like they're kind of famous for like ice cream sandwiches or cookies or something right um, I don't know if they're famous for that. I know there's other places that are famous. Cool House is specifically famous for those. Yeah. Um, the cookie sandwiches, um, Baby G's. I know they were like supposedly also really famous for their waffle cones because they like have the freshest made waffle cones. Right. Have okay. a nice little bend to it. Like, so it was a waffle cone that was warm. It wasn't too hence or dense or heavy. It didn't have. Yeah, I think I've been there, but yeah, it's been a while, but I, I don't know for sure. They have since closed. It is no, or they are at least no longer on the same location. Oh, okay. Okay, I see. Um, so what, can, what do you think is the worst ice cream you've ever had? Like a flavor that you thought might work, but it was just horrible. Well, I've, I've had, I'd say I probably have like a historical top five worst. Like, okay. I mean, the top five worst, I would say Ranch. There's a place in Philadelphia, um, Little Babies. Ranch. They made a ranch. It's exactly what the name promises and it delivers and it is awful. <laughs> I respect them for trying. Uh, they did like a bunch of other crazy flavors or some that worked, and ranch was not one. <laughs> Another one uh, I'd say that was pretty bad was the chocolate cardamom sriracha granola. Oh. And that was the sriracha just ruined it. Like I love sriracha. I love iced ice cream. We have that dichotomy mixed between heat and coolness together. But in this thing, it was just pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. I was in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, there was um, a sweet pea ice cream that was like, I imagine this is what like healthy parents like want ice cream to be. Yeah. So like, I could get my kid to like vegetables by like sneaking it in ice cream or something like that. And really, it doesn't make kids like ice cream. It just makes you hate that ice cream. You yeah. Like, no one any favors. It was. It was like, if I'm not against vegetables and ice cream because I literally talk about the spinach ice cream, but mm -hmm. it needs to have some sort of flavor profile that is accented by something else instead of just the straight, like, vegetable taste. Yeah. Um, that one was bad. Uh, I had the garlic chicken ice cream in Las Vegas once. 
Huh. And that was, I don't know, I've had garlic ice cream before. I've had other savory meat ice cream before that weren't bad, but just garlic chicken together was just a bit small. And then I had, I think probably like rounding out the bottom five would be, I had a French lavender one that was just way too potent in the lavender. Mm. It was like, I describe it as like eating potpourri. And I liken that to my grandmother who had just passed away recently. And it kind of like, the taste reminded me of what her house smelled like. So it's like, this is like eating the creamy corks of my dead grandmother. And <laughs> so that one bottoms out, I'd say, uh, uh, the, the worst, the historical worst time. Jeez, man. Yeah, some of those sound like they might have potential, but I guess what's nice is you could, uh, generally, you could just try a taste of it, get a sample exactly. of it before you have to buy a whole scoop, huh? Exactly. That's a, that's so, a good bonus. So try it. If you see something crazy, tr- at least try it, right? Exactly. Give it the college effort, you know? Like, I've been pleasantly surprised trying some of these things. Like, there was one time I said, like, I had tried other savory ice creams before that had, um, it was the barbecue burnt ass, and uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and that, yeah, it takes barbecue, like a sweet, tangy, spice barbecue sauce with the actual meat chunks, put it in like a like a, a regular cream base, and I was like, I was shocked at how much, like, I didn't hate it, like, so, am I going to say, you know, it'll change your outlook on life? Probably not, um, but it might change your outlook for the day, you yeah. know, give you something that you hadn't considered before and I was like you know what this isn't this isn't bad so, Jeez, that thing had actual chunks of meat in it yeah they used the barbecue burnt end from like this famous barbecue place in St. Louis Missouri I forget what it's called but uh, yeah wow man that's cool that's fun what people are doing so yeah. okay so what do you think is like the future of ice cream like what what are we gonna what new innovations are we gonna see that's I think only time will tell that one you know um, yeah. there are things that I tried to help contribute to by using pine essence, you know, like I don't think I had seen pine in many foods, let alone ice creams, um, prior to like, coming up with that idea, um, which was actually the idea of one of my interns that I hired, so props to him actually. Um, so it, it, he came up with the idea and then I, I was able to help add on to it and then bring it to life. So very much can be a team effort in Trends, you can never really always predict what a trend is going to be. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the markers will be paying people, you know, millions and millions of dollars to just predict whatever the next trend is, capitalize on it, and make it go. Um, but I do think, I am hopeful that this space is going to continue to evolve and that, like, I will be ready to taste all of that when it does. Right. It's exciting. The future is exciting. Yes. We're in a golden age now, and I think we're just going to continue the golden age for decades to come. Yeah, that's great. Good to hear. Positive ending to this, I think. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks so much, Daniel. I think you are the uh, king of ice cream. I think you live Thank up you. to that, sounds like. Um, Thank you. So I guess can you tell everybody, again, just to recap where your website and any social accounts or anything that you have? Yeah, uh, I have my website blog. Uh, it is thekingoficecream.com. All one thing uh, includes the the word the in it. Um, I my social Instagram account where I post pictures of like random crazy ice cream type uh, taste is underscore king of ice cream on Insta. Um, 
haven't been as active there recently, but you know, who knows when I, as I do try new things, I'll post uh, images about it. Mm -hmm. And then one day I'm attempting to write a book about my travels eating ice cream. And, nice. Uh, I already have a cool title for it. Uh, so one day if you ever see a book called The Cream of the Couch, like that's my book. So <laughs> nice, hopefully man. the publisher will also think it, it's good enough for that. So. Sweet. Cool. Good luck with the book. Um, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking and taking the time, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for having me. You too. All right. Bye, man. Hey, guys. Travis is here again. Um, so the podcast is over. It's done. So you can just leave right now. So don't worry about it. But I just had a couple things I wanted to mention and say to you guys. So first of all, thanks for listening to the episode or watching the episode. Super appreciate that. Um, if you want to connect with me or in, in the podcast, uh, we're on, we have a website. It's called curiosityness.com. Um, curiosityness is C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y-N-E-S-S. -S. Kind of weird. Um, but that's what it is. Curiosityness.com. Uh, you can go there. We have an Instagram, instagram.com slash curiosityness podcast. So not just curiosityness for the username. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Trav DeRose, T-R-A-V-D-E-R-O-S-E, -E, if you want to find just me. Um, oh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash curiosityness. We're on YouTube. Uh, I think just go to YouTube and search curiosityness and we'll pop up. Uh, I don't think we have a URL for that one, sorry. Oh, and we have a, I have an email address, Travis at curiositiness.com. So if you want to email me, you know, give me your thoughts on the show, suggestions, tips, uh, maybe like a suggestion for a new, for a guest who could come on, maybe yourself or somebody that you know who might be interested or, or you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know about that stuff. I, I would love to hear that. Um, oh, and then if you could leave a review too for the podcast, that'd be super appreciated. Uh, the reviews in like in Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever, wherever you're listening to this super help, um, just drop like a star, whatever star review. I won't tell you to do five, but it'd be nice. Uh, so drop a review. You can write a review even too, if you want, that would be even better. Um, but that's about it. So thanks again for watching. I super appreciate you, you know, listening to the whole show and staying here. Um, and yeah, thanks again. Have a good day. Bye-bye.